It's Tuesday, and now that means another day for Baseball HQ Radio. Learn to play the winner's way, because Baseball HQ Radio starts right now. And here's your host from BaseballHQ.com, columnist Patrick Davitt. Yes, as we announced here last week during our mid-season awards show, Baseball HQ Radio is now going twice a week. Each Tuesday, we'll have our in-depth interviews with a fantasy baseball expert, this week featuring Jeff Erickson of rotowire.com and Rotowire Fantasy Sports Today on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Tuesdays will also be the day for Rob Gordon's Minor League Minute, looking this week at San Francisco right-handed pitching prospect Kyle Crick, as well as our regular weekly Master Notes commentary this week with BaseballHQ.com founder Ron Chandler talking about desperation. On Fridays, we'll have our American League and National League news reports, as well as our weekly conversation with Todd Zola. But for today, it's another big show. Thanks for joining us here at Baseball HQ Radio. Hey, what do you say? Our first Tuesday edition, and it's the same day as the All-Star Game. We gotta talk some baseball. And congratulations to Joanna Cespedes, who won the Home Run Derby on Monday night in an entertaining contest, beating Bryce Harper in the final nine homers to eight. Cespedes has been a disappointment so far this year for many fantasy owners, batting just .225 with 43 RBI, but he does have 15 swats coming into the break, and he didn't even make the All-Star team. No such worries for our show, because we're opening with an All-Star fantasy expert. A longtime friend of the show, it's Jeff Erickson of rotowire.com and rotowire fantasy sports today on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Jeff, welcome back to Baseball HQ Radio. Hey, Patrick. Good to talk to you as always. Always fun. How are you doing in your league so far this year? You know, uh, it's a mix. My NFBC team is just hot garbage. Uh, everything that's gone wrong has, and there were mistakes made too. Uh, I, I underestimated the impact of batting average, which sometimes is okay, but it's harder to do, especially in a, a format like this, this, where it's first of all 15-team mixed league, secondly uh, in a uh, national contest where you have an overall contest. So that team's been somewhat disastrous and unlucky, a little combination of both. Uh, but you know, and it, it's a good indication of like that I might have drafted poorly. It's possibly the guy that's winning the overall main event. Uh, he he was drafting two steps away from me. So uh, that, how's that say? How does it speak for you there? Not too good. And uh, what what about some of your other experts league? You're in tout labor. All these uh, tout's competitive. Labor's competitive. Uh, you know, th- those both of those teams are going to be in the hunt. Uh, I'm winning the Rotowire Staff Keeper League, an 18 team mixed league uh, keeper league. We got 40 man rosters. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm having a good year overall. I'm in 11 leagues, 12 leagues this year, and I, I'd say about nine of them are going to be making money, or at least are finishing in a money spot if it were a money league. In general, Jeff, how far do you think? you can be back of the lead at this time of the year. We're a little past halfway and still hold out some hope of winning the league or making the money. You know, I, I think it varies from league league. I, I think really you need to be paying attention to the categories, if, assuming that you're in a roto league. 
you need to see how many points you can gain in a particular category or how much downside you have if you want to give up a particular category. So I've seen people gain 30 points in a half a season. It can happen. It's harder, especially because you have to deal with uh, – it's, it's harder in one respect, uh, especially in the qualitative categories. If you're low in ERA and WHIP, you know, chances are that's going to be harder for you to gain in just because the, the sitters in your league, the people that are not really actively managing their team – they're going to stay uh, pretty constant there. You're going to catch them in the counting stats, but if you're trying to catch them in the, the qualitative categories, it's a little bit more difficult. It can be done. It's not impossible, but I think it's a little bit more difficult. I've found that to be the case over the years, although ERA and WHIP are a little easier to move in than batting average just because the denominators are so much smaller in ERA and WHIP. You're talking about probably around 500 uh, innings pitched so far as against 33, 3400 at-bats. Yeah, that's exactly right, and that's uh, that's what I've found. Now, you can even trade for batting average, but, yeah, you have to really you have to go all out, and you have to hope that this is the year, that, you know, that this isn't the year that Ichiro hits 290, you know, that he hits 360 for a stretcher, as an example. Uh, obviously, it's a you know, different Ichiro, but I'm talking about a primetime Ichiro. So, yeah, it, it, those are harder to, to move up in, though, that, that's for sure. You know, you know, I made a huge trade in XFL, and one of the things I like about that is I'm short in stolen bases and wins. I mean, you want to talk about categories where you can move in. Those are definitely categories you can attack. Yeah, you traded uh, some pretty good prospects. The XFL's a keeper league. You traded Billy Hamilton, uh, the Reds prospect. That must have been a little hard for you being a Reds fan, but he's potential 100-bag speed guy down the road. Zach Wheeler you gave up, and Travis Darno, who I believe now is probably done for the year in the minor leagues. But you got back Jacoby Ellsbury, so there's a lot of bags there. Matt Kane, who's been struggling but could get you some wins if he turns it around, and Alexi Ramirez. So it looks like a, a, a pretty aggressive move by you. It was. It was, and I took over his team from Rick Wilton a few years ago, and it needed some rebuilding, and I had a bunch of uh, rebuilders there. You know, you know I had extra, all, all these prospects. I still have Jerickson Profar. I still have Kevin Gossman. I still have a couple other plus threes. And what we mean by plus threes is in the XFL, uh, a guy that you a pro, the guy you draft in the minor league draft and hold on to him, his salary advance is three year three dollars per year once he becomes a major leaguer, as opposed to guys you buy in the auction or guys you pick up as free agents. Those guys are plus five guys, so you can see immediately the potential uh, value of them. Just you know, three years down the line, a guy who's a sixteen dollar player as opposed to a nine dollar player, ten dollar player, it makes a huge difference. So and, and you know that that only expands over time. That lengthens how long you can keep these guys. Right. Uh, now. I, I I made it because I felt like yeah Trace has got Trace Wood's got a pretty good sizable lead on us but I feel like I've still got upward mobility I've had plenty of uh, you know injuries I'm still trying to recover from I think I'm going to get some of these guys back too I'm, I think I'm poised to make a run and they always say flags fly forever it's more fun when you try to win these leagues as opposed to just maintaining and maintaining and maintaining you know so I lose if I if it doesn't work okay well I missed out on a second or third place finish but you know I don't want to miss out on a chance to win a league just because I didn't pull the trigger I needed. I only had two points in stolen bases, so Ellsbury is one of three people you can pretty much target to try to get that. And one of them, John Segura, is, is a guy that's going to be not tradable anyhow because mm-hmm. just you know his keeper profile. So you can't trade for him. So Ellsbury is like the one guy out there I felt like could, I could make a big impact in that category. So he was the tar- He was the key. He was definitely the guy I had to get. And you know I went back and forth with Greg Ambrosius on that. Of course, Ellsbury now now. Five hours after we consummated the trade, maybe four hours, it was announced he wasn't going to play because of that wrist injury. Fortunately, he came back last night, so right. assaging my fears about that. 
The other thing about trading prospects for guys who you know are playing is that they're they're still prospects. I mean, Billy Hamilton is, of course, a very high-profile guy because he has the potential to steal 100 bases. Zach Wheeler has the potential to be a really good pitcher. Travis Darno has the potential to be a, a an impact catcher sometime down the road. But potential is one thing. you got guys who have proved it at the major league level that they can get the job done. Yeah, that's, that's some of it. And Billy Hamilton's stock, I would say, by most accounts, has gone down this year by how he's performed at AAA Louisville. He hasn't hit all that well. He, he's kind of stuck around 245 uh, with not a whole lot of power. And the thing about Billy Hamilton is if he is not, you, you're assuming, you have to concede that he's not going to hit for power at the big league level. So assuming that, then you have to, you know, he has to be, to be a plus valuable player he has to hit 290 get on you know or better because he's not going to walk as much as he's doing the minors because major league pitchers a have better control and b aren't going to be afraid to challenge him they're going to throw him one the strikes on and make him beat him i mean all the all these uh you know we talked about punch and judy guys you know these judies you know they might be you know the tons of speed and that's great but you know, at the same time, if you can't hit your way out of a paper bag, major league pitchers aren't going to pitch around you. So you see some good walk rates sometimes from these fast guys in the minors that just don't occur in the majors because they just the major league pitchers don't respect their ability to hit the ball with authority. So I'm kind of interested to see if that how that plays out. And you know, Patrick, I don't mind trading my Reds prospects. You know, I, in the the Rotowire Staff Keeper League, I traded both Tony Singrani and Robert Stevenson. Uh, and I'm I'm definitely in win-now mode over there, and you know, I won last year. I'm in first this year. But, hey, Robert Stevenson plus the first-round draft pick landed me David Price. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and do that every time, sure. and especially with pitching prospects. I'm always going to be willing to do that. Now, the, the key to, to the XFL deal that I did, I, I think that might be Zach Wheeler. Uh, the fact is that you know, Greg, Greg had initially expressed interest in Danny Holton, so I had included that in the trade offer, but he held out for Wheeler. As soon as I offered Wheeler, he he made the deal. So, uh, and of course, it was really nice to see that yesterday when Wheeler outdueled Kane. You know, it wasn't a duel because Kane didn't even make it through the first. But that's right. Uh, you know, there was it, I mean, this might be the Trojan horse deal that we're referring to somewhere down the road. One of the intriguing pieces of your deal was Alexi Ramirez. He's had a relatively disappointing performance this year. Again, especially on the power side, he's doing all right with stolen bases. Uh, are you up to more than all right with stolen bases? He has 19 stolen bases. So you know, it's it's funny. Like you look at the roto value of Alexei Ramirez this year, it's fine. It's just where he's providing it. And so I needed stolen bases. Period. I have plenty of power on my team. So uh, yeah, it's weird that his power has completely disappeared. Gone from 15 two years ago to just one so far this year. Yeah. I don't know what, how that happened, but. Uh, I can't assume it's going to come back, but as long as he's running, I'm okay with that. And speaking of Ramirez's, Jeff, what about Manny Ramirez in Texas? First, you have the potential for playing time opportunity with the PED scandal maybe catching up with Nelson Cruz, although the word now is that nobody at the MLBPA thinks there's going to be any suspensions this year. But the Rangers have moved Manny Ramirez up to AAA to start the second part of the season. What do you think of Manny Ramirez? Yeah, it could happen pretty soon. I, you know, I, that's an intriguing add-on. He was hitting hitting well overseas. You know, it's funny how twice he's kind of, sort of served suspensions once for real, and now this last one he served it in retirement, and it's considered time served for him. It's interesting how that's worked out in the light of how his his window for playing time could be someone else going in. Although I'll say this, uh, you know, I, I think the appeals process typically takes a really long time, and I would be pretty surprised if. You know, the, they've issued a suspension. They've gone through the appeal, and I, I don't think he. I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't appeal. Uh, so, I, 
most of these guys, I my guess, and this is a guess, it's an educated guess, that they won't be serving these suspensions this year. What about Derek Jeter, Jeff? He came back from the DL finally, went uh, one for four, I think, uh, and then left the game with a strained quad, and now his health is back up in the air. Any chance this guy has an impact this year? No, given how few good shortstop options are out there, yeah, I think he's probably got a pretty good chance of doing something for us. Uh, you know, he, clearly he's not going to be the same, you know, same player in terms of stealing bases as he's been in in recent memory. I think that'll uh, decline some, but that would have declined anyhow a little bit. Uh, I, I think that though he can be useful. I think uh, certainly for the Yankees, it's a sea change difference. Even a ninety percent Derek Jeter is going to be much better than what they've been getting. And same when when A Rod's ready, if and when he ever gets to play, right. uh, you know, you're certainly going to be looking again. I think at you know looking at the options that they've been trotting out there. I, I think it's hard not to, for him to help. Um, and you know, there's been a lot of third base injuries in the Roto world too. I don't see you know if it's a free chance to take a shot at him, why not take a shot at him? You mentioned that, uh, like me, you are a Cincinnati Reds fan, and they're hanging around uh, Pittsburgh being very surprising in that division. But what do you think of the Reds' chances of maybe winning the division or at least getting into the uh, wild card race? The Reds are in a precarious spot right now because, you know, they, 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 Johnny Cueto doesn't look like he's coming back anytime soon, and who knows if he can stay healthy with that, that his delivery without having to change his complete delivery. So we'll see what happens with that. They, they've got three holes in the lineup right now. Yeah, two and a half if you think that Chris Heisey can help in left field. But, you know, Zach Cozart is not an offensive contributor. Yeah, he gets you some counting stats for our fantasy leagues, but in real life, I mean, he's not a positive force at shortstop there. Uh, 270 on base and, you know, batting second, no less. Uh, you know, I've ranted about that before, so I won't belabor the point. Uh, and then catcher. And both catchers are banged up right now. Yes. Uh, they're they're kind of alternating days. Ryan Hannigan's got two bad hands, and Devin Mesoraco's got a really bad back problem. He was able to play through it on Wednesday. But they're just trying to limp their way into the All-Star break and see if they can, you know, those four days off can help them heal. But, you know, I, I, they don't have a whole lot of assets to trade anymore. They, they made their big trade for Shu Chu, and it worked. It was a great trade for them for what it, they needed. But they, they just, either the fruits of their farm system are already in the majors or already traded off somewhere. They don't have a whole lot left to offer. So I, I don't see too many big deals coming for the Reds. Maybe one for a reliever. That's about it. Do you think Homer Bailey is for real? Yeah, he, you know, it depends on what you consider for real. But, yeah, I, I think he's a top 40 pitcher, uh, maybe approaching top 25. You know, he's not an ace. And, you know, fortunately the Reds don't need him to be an ace. They have Latos and, and win healthy Cueto. But, you know, because I, 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 from start to start, the performance does still vary. Uh, the home ballpark still hurts him because he does elevate the ball. Uh, I think he's a smarter pitcher than he was in the past. I think he's uh, better about using his repertoire pitches doesn't just try to power through everything. Uh, and he throws more strikes now. He does pound the strikes down better. But we saw his Monday start against Milwaukee. There's still some sh- uh, sketchy moments. He still has trouble putting away hitters at certain points. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's still that one little thing holding him back. He's definitely an asset, but, you know, he's not, you know, a guy that you're going to go out and spend $20 at the auction table next year on. You're listening to Baseball HQ Radio, Patrick Davitt, with rotowire.com senior editor Jeff Erickson. And Jeff, uh, you just came out at rotowire.com with your mid-season top 200 fantasy player rankings. And a few surprises, I guess, there always are in such things. But you have Yaziel Puig at the number nine spot ahead of Andrew McCutcheon and Edwin Encarnacion, Prince Fielder, and Jose Bautista. How did Puig get up so high on this list? 
by the other guys ranking them. Well, we did this was a set of composite rankings at the Rotowire Roundtable. We had five rankers: myself, Derek Van Riper, Jason Collette, uh, Kevin Payne joined in the fray as well, and a guy named Michael Rusinola who actually does all the compiling. I actually had Puig at forty-one, and so below all those guys that you mentioned. I, I, I want to see. I, I do believe that he does have a unique talent. I do think he is kind of of you know Vlad Guerrero light maybe, but. I want to see what happens after his first extended slump. But, you know, and so uh, that, that's why I'm lower. I mean, it's still 41's really high when you think about it there. It's still a really high ranking compared to a lot of others. But, uh, you know, at the same time, he makes great contact. Uh, you know, and I, I think that there's a lot that he has to offer. Um, and, and the fact is he, he, he could be a five-category player, and that's the thing I do like. Now, there's, yeah, there's some, some concerns about the adjustments he needs to make. And that's why I don't have him as high. So I'm not going to justify those guys uh, having him in the top ten. I certainly don't have him that high. Somebody must have had him real high to offset that 40-place ranking difference by you. Right, right. Uh, we had multiple guys having him in the top ten. So J- there's that. Jason Kipnis finished ahead of uh, everybody's 2013 middle infield darling, Gene Segura. I'll take credit for that one. I mean, Kipnis is having an amazing season, again. And he did it last year, too, except he trailed off the second half. This year, you're getting batting average to go with it. You're getting power. You're getting speed. You know, what's not like to li- what's not to like? You found uh, 12 starting pitchers in the top 50, and I was wondering whether you're surprised with that number, whether you thought it was more than you expected or less or about right. Um, I think that's about right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my personal rankings, trying to sort by there, just real quick to see where I've got, how many I've got. I've got 10 in the top 50, and I've got... Two more and then, or three more uh, in the, like the next this next eleven. So I'm not that far off. But you know what? We're we're in an era where I think people are valuing this starting pitching and thinking it's a little bit more stable than it has been in the past. I, I've looked at uh, you know I've looked at a couple you know you know my experiences in drafts and starting pitching is getting pounded uh, in the NFBC this year. I, it was even you know crazier than that. I think we had. 15 starting pitches go in the first four rounds. I think something that, that I remember tweeting it out at the time and being a little uh, gobsmacked by it. So I'll, uh, you know, I, you look at the guys there, I mean, who doesn't belong? Does Max Scherzer not belong in the top 50? I think he does. Yep. Uh, Matt Harvey, maybe you can make an argument just that the second half he's going to get shut down. And maybe you're oh, right about yeah. that. The fact that they're skipping a regular season start so he can pitch in the All-Star game fully healthy, I mean fully rested, I have some issues with that, especially as a Reds fan, seeing that he's going to miss a Pirates start. I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated by that. But, uh, you know, as you're a fantasy owner, you're missing out on one star for him, too. You're probably not too happy either. You had an email exchange with your Roto-Wire colleague, Chris Liss, and you noted that we fantasy baseball media members and owners fixate too much, to use your words, on hot players or hot teams of the moment. What does that mean, and how do you think fantasy owners should respond to hot players? You know, it's, it's partially me and Chris fixating on it because we need topics to talk about for our show and to write about. I, I think, you know, we get, you know, you're always looking at uh, what's going on right now. And, of course, the media is in front of us, too. I and mean, we're always looking, you know, that's going to be presented to us as well. So, I, but I, I think it's a quick, you know, we always live in the moment. You know, what have you done for me lately a little bit there? And it, that's why Bilo is so, so high, even though it's repeated to everyone everywhere, it still works to a certain extent. Uh, but you just have to buy at the lowest and sell the absolute highest. But it works because of all that attention that's being paid. We talk about it day after day, and that's why. Uh, that, that, that's what I mean by that. 
My wife always gets mad when we're watching a ball game and somebody uh, during the broadcast will say, Leonis Martin has a, a 421 average over his last nine games. And she always turns to me and says, you're the stats guy. Why don't they say over the last 10 games or 12 games or 11 games or 14 games? You know, it seems like they're cherry picking these results. And I tell her, yeah, that's probably exactly what they're doing. Yeah, it's like the bend points. We, we hear that all the time. Um, and of course, you're going to get you're going to get on me about how I said I like Leonis Martin, but uh, for the second half because I do like what he's done recently. Uh, you know, we, one of the things we have on our player pages is what they've done over the last 14 days, what they've done over the last 30 days. Do, people do still like the snapshot. And I'll say this, Patrick. One of the things uh, that that's happened is the, growth, the explosive growth of daily fantasy baseball. I, I think maybe that becomes a little bit more relevant than in our standard roto leagues. When we're trying to, when, you know, there's obviously no trades in daily games. Uh, you're, there, there is no such thing as the long run. You're just trying to live in the moment a little bit there. Sure. And so, of course, you, you get a little, everyone channels their inner gene rock and, uh, you know, fiddles with their lineup all the time. But, uh, you know, I, you know I, I think that may be a little bit more relevant. And you know what? I think it might even be relevant also for when you're looking at players and you're thinking about acquiring them through trade or from the free agent pool. If only because if you see a, a steady upward trend from the start of the season to the current point, and you can and you can point to he's making more contact, he's drawing more walks. I'm not saying that you should make that decision because in the last two weeks he had a nice little burst that's kind of out of character for the rest of the season. But if you can identify some kind of trend, I don't see anything wrong with it. Especially with players that aren't established already. That you know the guy. The guys like Martin that we're talking about here, the ones that are still fighting for jobs and you know trying to make establish themselves as regular uh, parts of their, their team's lineup, you know maybe you know we saw it with Segura, he moved from ninth, you know eighth in the batting order to batting in the middle of that lineup. I mean that's a huge, you know, that's a huge sea change, and it's because he had this, you know, he got off to such a great start there. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's why we had to pay attention to that, to the shorter sample. That's right, and it's always important to look at a result and say, are there contextual reasons? Has this pitcher developed a new pitch? Has he fully recovered from an injury, for instance? Stuff like that. It, everything happens within a context. You did mention Leonis Martin as a possible second-half buy. What was it, when you look at Martin, what is it that you like about him? Explosive speed, first of all, and I think there's a little power-speed combo. You know, he's quietly having a pretty darn good year. Uh, 18 stolen bases, he's got only only five homers so far, but uh, 17 extra base hits. He's, he's quietly, I think, getting it at the major league level. Uh, I, you know, it's one of those guys you just, you know, we always talk about, you know, at-bats are a commodity. You need to see these guys get more and more at-bats. His strikeout rate this year has dropped from 23% to 19%. You, you like to see that sort of skills growth, and I think you're seeing it out of him. Yeah, he was an interesting case. Uh, he got, started to gather a lot of at-bats when Craig Gentry went on the DL, and he's made the most of them, and I think that's a really important thing to look at. This is a guy who took his chance and ran with it, and a lot of guys don't. They take their chance and they and they fumble it away. Right, and, you know, sometimes you need three, four chances, too, before you actually get it. I mean, we're talking about a guy who had 52 plate appearances at the major league level last year, he only 260 plate appearances at AAA. He, you know, he's a guy that was hurt a lot too. Yeah. So we, we really are scratching the surface with him. He's he's one of those big unknowns, and these are the areas. You know, the unknowns are where we uh, find layer, you know uh, pockets for uh, profit, and he, I think he's one of them. There, I wish I had him in more leagues. You also advised owners should make a trade run at Starlin Castro, despite his pedestrian performance thus far. Uh, because why? of his pedestrian performance, because. Because, you know, he, his price is as low as it's going to get. 
We have three years of performance, and then we have this year. Do you think he's a fundamentally completely different player? I don't. On the flip side, you target Hisashi Iwakuma, who's our consensus pick earlier in the show for the AL Fantasy Cy Young. Uh, Gene Segura, we mentioned, who's our NL MVP. Matt Harvey and Dominic Brown. You say all of these guys are likely to have fairly big slowdowns. Why, why them out of all the available guys? Well, we're just talking about guys that are big outliers to begin with, guys that are way above expected performance level. I mean, this all goes back to Ron Chandler's gravity principle. Uh, what goes up must come down. And uh, Iwakuma, it's kind of cherry-picking. It's, it's, too, it's too late to say that. I mean, he's had five not-so-great starts in a row. And, you know, eight, what was it, ten homers in his last four starts, so it's too late for him. But, uh, you know, for the, for the other guys there, I mean, it was, it's only natural that you're going to fall back a little bit. And, of course, your opponents know that, too. So maybe it's not always going to work. But Matt Harvey in particular, he still appears to be at peak value. But we know he's got he's thrown 130 innings. The Mets have said they want to keep him around 210. You can do the math there. He's going to be you know, limited in starts. He's already missing this start Saturday, and part of that's for the All-Star game. But part of it's convenient for them, too, that, hey, this is a way to limit his innings a little bit. If they're really concerned about accumulation of innings, which you can argue whether or not that's a good policy or not. I don't know if it necessarily is, but... Uh, you know, that's going to factor in a little bit. Uh, you know, the fact that he's had a blister, too. I mean, these are all things that kind of factor in. And the Mets themselves, I mean, he, he's won three games in the last 60 days. He, and I know wins are not a good predictor of performance, but they still matter in our silly little game. We, and the Mets are unlikely to provide as many situations for him to win games as, say, uh, elite stars on other teams. And if he's being treated among these super elite starting pitchers, well, hey, you're probably losing a little ground roto-wise just because you're, you're not going to get the wins, probably going to get fewer innings going forward, too. They've been, he's, nothing against his performance, but it seems like all things point to some, something of a downturn. Earlier in the show, I mentioned, Jeff, we had a Baseball HQ roundtable, and we voted on the Midway uh, Award winners for fantasy purposes, and we had some disputed races where no player got more than two votes out of our five. So I was hoping you could help us break some ties. Uh, in the National League Rookie of the Year uh, voting, we had four different guys get votes, Evan Gaddis, Jose Fernandez, Anthony Rendon, and two for Shelby Miller. Which, out of those four guys, uh, who do you like the best? Well, if you're talking about Midway MVP or in, in, in midway rookie of the year, you have to be talking about who's giving you the most value so far, Shelby Miller. But, you know, it, it's, we're not arguing who's going to do better in the second half. I'll bite who's going to do better in the second half. I think Shelby Miller is a prime guy to sell right now because I think he also has got an innings issue. I mean, he's not going to make he, he started on Wednesday night. He's going to be held out for the next 12 days in part because of the All-Star break, and also they're reshuffling their order a little bit. So right alone there, I mean, you're losing it. He's never thrown more than 150 innings in his professional career. He's already over 100 this year. I, uh, he, you know, if, if Harvey's an innings risk, then Miller's a more extreme case of that. Uh, and we, we saw what happened with Lance Lynn in the second half last year. I think similar things could happen with Miller a little bit. So, uh, but, so best uh, option for the second half, I'd say Rendon. Our vote for National League first half bust Saw votes for Giancarlo Stanton, Matt Kemp, Jason Hayward, and two for Cole Hamels. Who's the biggest bust out of those guys for you? I think it's Kemp. He's done the least and was drafted the earliest. Uh, you know, and you know, it, it's for good. I mean, for a reason. I mean, it's not no fault of his own. He's been hurt, but yeah, I think it's got to be Kemp. And uh, although we had consensus uh, for the AL and NL fantasy MVPs, who would you uh, vote for? Fantasy MVP. I mean. It's, it's, it's price for the value. So I can understand why he came. Segura's, I agree with the Segura pick for sure uh, for the NL. I mean, although 
he can make a pretty good case for Paul Goldschmidt. Still stealing bases, he's hitting for a higher average than he's ever done before. In uh, granted, you got a third round price as opposed to whatever price you got for Segura, uh, and then Chris Davis in the AL. Uh, it's just hard to ignore exactly all of what he's done so far. And you got him at a reasonable mid round price, and you're getting first round value out of him. You're listening to Baseball HQ Radio, Patrick Davitt with Jeff Erickson from RotoWire.com. And, uh, Jeff, the last few weeks I've been asking our featured guests to give us some picks to buy low and sell high. You've talked about that already a little bit in the show. So uh, we're looking for a hitter and pitcher in each league for a buy low and sell high. Let's start with the buy lows. In the American League, who's a hitter you'd like to buy low? Billy Butler. Only eight homers so far this year. A couple of them recently, though a couple this week against the Yankees. Uh, the batting average isn't yet up, but, you know, he's got such an established level of performance. I, I, you got to think over the second half he's going to be uh, – you know, a guy that should perform close, you know, at least according to his established levels. And I, I don't think you're going to have to pay that full price, especially among all the first basemen out there. And, you know, I think he's kind of under the radar. And he was my pick for American League bust, and he's on a lot of my rosters. So. Right, so you know what I'm talking about. It's definitely not providing what you expected, but I, I think the Royals as a whole are going to hit better over the second half. Can't hurt, it can't hurt to have the changes they've had. Eric Hosmer is already starting to hit better, too. I think Butler is a pretty good candidate. How about a buy low hitter in the National League? How about Giancarlo Stanton? I think you got to imagine his owners are extremely frustrated. They see the team context. They, they think, okay, he's nowhere near worth the price that I paid for him. Let's just see if I can get a fourth round value out of him. You know, I would, you know, and if, I, and if I'm trying to make a move, and, and, and I'm on the other side of things, and I'm trying to make something that's going to make a big splash, you're not just looking to try to also, you know, in the case of Butler, you're going to get a modest improvement. The thing about Stanton is. He could be a monster in the second half. It's it's going to be a risk, but you're trying to take some step. You're going to try to take some chances to leap up some points in the standings. I can't think of a guy that could have a bigger home run impact than Stanton. What, what chance do you think there is that he's traded, traded away from, from Miami, Miami this, this year? Ah, ten percent, maybe less. I don't think that. I don't. I don't think a trade happens until the off season. How about a buy low pitcher in the American League? Why not James Shields? Pitching really well, just not getting the run support to, to go with it there. Uh, if you're going to go all buy into the notion that the uh, Royals as a whole should do better in the second half, I think Shields is one that certainly benefits from that. And a buy low in the National? You guys mentioned him earlier as one. You know, got two votes for first half bust. How about Cole Hamels? Uh, you know, pitching better now. He's striking out guys, uh, so that's still there. Remember, the thing about Hamels is kind of interesting because he's someone that had his throwing program interrupted in the off season with that shoulder. You know, he got strafed by the Dominican Republic in a spring training game, and everyone's like, ah, oh, he's just getting his work. It's no big deal. You know, he shut down his throwing program. It's no big deal. Maybe it was a bigger deal than letting on. You know, now he's seen the last four or five starts have been a lot better. Uh, actually, like the last two months have been a lot better. I, I, you know, he just hasn't been getting the wins. He's kind of like, you know, a, a last year's version of Cliff Lee, except with the poor results in the first two months that he absolutely earned. Now I don't think he's earning him. I think he's just not getting the run support. I think... You know, he, he could certainly turn that around the second half. Kind of counting on the run support, though, and with Ryan Howard now is out and this, the Phillies are so old. Granted, I'll give you all that. I have Hamels, and uh, between him and Price, they're killing my tout team, and I'm I'm kind of looking at it now as... David Price is fine now, though. He's thrown two great starts since coming off the DL. Well, one of them against Houston, that hardly counts. <laughs> And the other, yeah, and the other was against the White Sox, which might count even less. But that's you know, the strikeouts are there, and that's what you like. They're going with it. There, the velocity is there. And earlier it wasn't, and you know that's why he had to go on the DL with the shoulder problem. You know, I thought that's one of those guys you had to buy when he was on the DL. 
Yeah, and you know what he, these two guys make me think of is sometimes when you're coming into the all-star break or this period of the year and you look at your roster and you say, who can I pick up for the second half? Sometimes the answer is I can pick up the guys who are already on my roster and just count on them to rebound or in Price's case to come off the DL finally and, and get back to form. I may not need to make a trade for a pitcher because I have those acquirable pitchers and I don't have to get rid of them. Right. How about, uh, let's go to the sell highs uh, in the American League. How about a hitter you'd like to sell high on right now? Uh, how about Johnny Peralta? You know, hitting for a high average, is, his BABIP is like 385. It wasn't, it wasn't the sky-high plus 400. It's already starting to come down. This, I mean, this is kind of captain, wearing the Captain Obvious hat here, but, you know, he had a good year two years ago. He's in a good lineup, so I think he's going to have some currency. One of the things about sell highs is they actually have to be sellable. You can't just be somebody that's, uh, you know, riding a three-week fluke. It's got to be someone that has some currency that has, you know, will fit somebody's need. Someone's always going to need a shortstop, so I think you can probably sell Johnny Peralta. What does that uh, Captain Obvious hat look like? Uh, <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, it, it's it's it, it's it highlights BABIP, and I think it also you know it, it, it's it's got that stencil and glaring. It's blinking. I think it's in neon. Uh, it's something that's going to make you notice it right away. Fedora style, or is it like more like a ball cap? I think fedora style. I think yeah. that's more uh, rakish. <laughs> that's right. A little more stylish for your uh, for your Captain Obvious hat. Uh, how about a National League sell high hitter? Uh, I, I like the hitter, but Dominic Brown. I, I think it, it, going along with that whole gravity principle. Uh, you know, the extreme lack of uh, plate discipline. Although he's walked more than Adam Jones, but you know that's that's not exactly setting the bar high. Uh, I, you know, I think they're you know they're really leaning on him pretty hard. I think it's a good story. I'm glad he's gotten the playing time, and they no longer have to jerk him around, but I think he'll probably fall back a little bit in the second half. Moving to the pitchers, how about an American League pitcher that you'd sell high? I think you can get complete max value for Max Scherzer, uh, you know, the win-loss record being what it is. I know most people are smarter to realize and to look just beyond win-loss, so it's not necessarily on that, but just the fact that you know, the, the Detroit defense behind him is so miserable, I don't trust that bullpen. You know, some of those inherited runners are going to score at some point in time. Uh, I think that he's a fantastic, excellent pitcher, but you can also get a lot for him right now. And finally, a, na- a National League sell-high pitcher. And this is one that, uh, this isn't a sexy, it's Jeff Locke. Uh, you know, I, I really think he could have a four-plus ERA over the second half. It's a good story. It's like basically pick a Pittsburgh pitcher, really. But, uh, you know, it's great stories all, but I, I think they're all going to fall back to a certain extent. Yeah, Francisco Luriano kind of jumps out in that regard as well. Yeah, right. Uh, even Jason Grilly. I mean, and Mark Melanson, all these guys. I mean, look at how hard the Pittsburgh bullpen's been worked, too. Uh, I think that they need to trade for a fresh arm. They need one more guy so they don't rely on these guys night in, night out, having all these five-and-a-half, six-inning starts. They have a few chips to trade. Uh, I'm wondering, there's been a lot of talk in the rumor mills and the uh, inside baseball stuff on websites about Cliff Lee getting traded away again. What do you think the odds are of that, and where do you think the odds are he ends up? I tweeted yesterday, this is the time of year I get irrationally upset about uh, teams not wanting to sell when they really clearly plainly should and then put Phillies as the hashtag. And I, I really think that they should. I mean, Ruben Amaro Jr. has just never been a guy that seems like a rebuilder, even though he did trade Hunter Pence last year, and I thought did a reasonably good job of it. I thought the package they got for Pence was pretty good. Uh, but, you know, I, you know I, I really think, I don't know if they're going to sell Lee or not. I think they should. I think they should sell Ruiz. I think they should sell Utley. 
I, I think you know they're stuck with the Ryan uh, the Ryan Howard Albatross contract, and that's going to really hamper some of the rebuilding. Uh, so they they've got these assets now that could you know before they decline farther, before they uh, get you know one more year older. I think this is a perfect time to strike, and they can get a lot to rebuild this team. Uh, it's just a question of do they want to take that step? They've been in win now mode for so long. They've had such great fan support. Just that's starting to finally taper off just a little bit. I know they've had a reasonably hot streak in the last two weeks, but I just don't see this being a team that's a contender. So I think that they should trade. I don't know if they will. Matt Garza will almost certainly get dealt. Get dealt. I, I know they've talked about giving a long-term deal. I just, I, I think that that's all. I think that's more just out. They put that out there just so they can try to get any sort of leverage they can in trade talks. I think Garza is almost a better target for uh, teams to acquire. Cost a little bit less, especially for something like for the Pirates to acquire. Uh, but they also need a bat. They need someone in right field. They pro- preferably a right-handed power hitter would be ideal for them, um, and maybe one bullpen arm. And like you said, they have so much in their, their farm system, not just at the top levels, which is among the best in baseball, but also they're a deep farm system too. All right, Jeff, as we wrap up, please remind our listeners how they can uh, get more from Jeff Erickson. Sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Jeff underscore Erickson. Of course, you can hear me on uh, satellite radio, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Rotowire Fantasy Sports Today is the name of the show. We're on Monday through Friday, 11 to 2 Eastern Time. I'm personally on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. Uh, you can catch us on rotowire.com as well. And if you don't already subscribe to Rotowire, uh, either directly or through part of RotoPass, you can go to rotowire.com slash free, get a 10-day trial, check us out. All right, Jeff, thanks very much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Great as always, and hopefully we'll catch up with you again at least once before the year's out. Sounds good, Patrick. Thanks a lot again for having me. Jeff Erickson is a senior editor at rotowire.com and, as you heard, is one of the hosts of the Rotowire Fantasy Sports Today program on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Stay with us. Coming up, it's the Minor League Minute with Rob Gordon and Master Notes with BaseballHQ.com founder Ron Chandler. This is Baseball HQ Radio. And this crowd just straining forward at every pitch. Here it comes. A swing of it. Two strikes, ball one to Dale Mitchell. Listen to this crowd. I'm guaranteed that nobody, but nobody has left this ballpark. And if somebody did manage to leave early, man, he's missing the greatest. Two strikes and a ball. Mitchell waiting, stands deep, feet close together. Larson is ready, gets the sign. Two strikes, ball one, here comes the pitch. Strike three! A no-hitter, a perfect game for John Larson! Baseball HQ Radio. And welcome back to Baseball HQ Radio. I'm Patrick Davitt. Time now for our regular Tuesday commentaries. We have Ron Chandler on deck with Master Notes, and leading off, it's the Minor League Minute. BaseballHQ.com minor league expert Rob Gordon telling us about San Francisco Giants right-handed pitching prospect Kyle Crick. The San Francisco Giants' Kyle Crick has been a very interesting player to watch this year. The six foot four Crick has top-of-the-rotation stuff, but he did miss two months of action with a strained oblique muscle early in the year. When healthy, the 20-year-old Crick features a nice 91-95 mile-an-hour fastball that tops out at 97. He also has a slider, a curve, and a changeup. Crick has struggled with his control in the past, and that continues to be an issue in 2013. Last year, Crick walked 67 in 111 innings, and this year he's already walked 19 in 29 innings pitched. But he has shown an improved curve and a changeup and can be very difficult to hit. After seven starts in the hitter-friendly Cal, 
Crick is 1-1 one one with a nice 1.21 ERA to go along with a 200 batting average against, and he struck out 44 batters in those 29 innings. If Kyle Crick can continue to make progress and improve his control, he has the raw stuff to rack up tons of strikeout once he reaches the majors, and is a definite keeper in all long-term formats. For Baseball HQ Radio, this is Baseball HQ Minor League Analyst Rob Corden. BaseballHQ.com subscribers get the winner's edge with comprehensive coverage of the minor leagues. All season long, Rob Gordon, Jeremy Deloney, Colby Garropy, Chris Maloney, and Brent Hershey report and update the top prospects, organizational moves, daily call-ups, and everything you need to keep tabs on rising stars. BaseballHQ.com's call-up reports have recently looked at Boston left-hander Drake Britton and a bunch of right-handed pitchers like Houston's Jared Cozart, Texas' Wilmer Font, Cleveland's Danny Salazar, who had a great first start, and Oakland's Sonny Gray, and all kinds of other players as well. And don't forget about our minor league watch list, highlighting less heralded prospects who still have a clear path to the majors. This week, looking at possible early second-half arrivals, like Chris Owings in Arizona and Andy Wilkins for the White Sox. If you need to know your prospects to stay competitive in your leagues, BaseballHQ.com has you covered. Now it's Master Notes, with BaseballHQ.com founder Ron Chandler talking this week about desperation. I hate to say that it's desperation time, but, well, it's desperation time. My, my Tout Wars team has been laboring near the bottom of the standings all season, thanks to some bad picks and some bad luck. In retrospect, maybe spending $29 on Uenis Cespedes was not such a good idea. After all, his track record wasn't any more extensive than Mike Trout's. The $25 I spent on Austin Jackson has returned $17 in value. The $19 Alcides Escobar and the $15 Ryan Dumit have been overpays as well. Spending $21 on Chris Sales wouldn't have been bad if the White Sox could score more than half a run per game. And my minor league speculations, Dylan Bundy, Mike Zanino, pretty much busts too. So I've been sitting in 10th or 11th place since tax day, hovering between 45 and 50 points. Little value to trade and even less upside. I'd suspect that many of you in this situation might pack it in for the season. NFL camps are opening up now, aren't they? But you can't do that in tout wars. For one thing, this is still a national stage. But even if it wasn't, this league implemented two rules that force owners to scratch and claw for every point. The first rule uses each season's final standings to determine the seeding for the following season's reserve round snake draft. So if I finish in 11th this year, I will pick 11th in next March's reserve draft. The second rule is even more damaging. In this 12-team league, for every point a team finishes lower than 60, they lose $1 off of next season's $100 free agent acquisition budget. So if I finish with 45 points, I'll start 2014 with a fab budget of only $85. So scratching and clawing to 60 points is how I'm going to spend the rest of my summer. But with the talent pool so shallow in this AL-only league, sometimes you have to throw caution to the wind and take some chances. The nice thing about Tout Wars is you can place a fab bid on just about anyone. This effectively opens up the talent pool. You can speculate on minor leaguers yet to be called up, players overseas threatening to get on a plane, 
and aging former Major League superstars trying to salvage one last shred of dignity. So yes, this past week, I placed the $15 fab bid for Manny Ramirez. Now, I don't harbor any illusions as to the long odds of him being a productive addition to a fantasy team in the second half. After all, he's 41 years old and hasn't come to the plate in the Major League Stadium in over two years. And, well, Manny hasn't really been Manny since George Bush was president. So you might reasonably call this $15 bid a long shot. However, that $15 also represented the depth of my desperation. You see, not one other owner placed a bid. At all. But Talent Wars uses the Vickery method for closed auction bidding. Vickery provides the true market value of a commodity by reducing the purchase price to $1 more than the second highest bid. Now my desperation doesn't look quite as desperate for a buck. And maybe a little Texas heat will rejuvenate a long-lost PED-fueled career for one final hurrah and help me salvage one last shred of dignity this season. For one dollar, I could do worse. For Baseball HQ Radio, this is Ron Chandler of BaseballHQ.com. Ron Chandler is the founder of BaseballHQ.com and a member of our Master Notes rotation at BaseballHQ.com and here at Baseball HQ Radio. You can get Master Notes delivered to your inbox every Friday with the free Fantasy Friday e-newsletter. Just go to BaseballHQ.com and sign up. Of course, we also bring Master Notes here to Baseball HQ Radio every week. And that's Baseball HQ Radio for the week of July the 16th. Thanks very much for taking the time to download and listen to show number 27 and Tuesday show number 1 of the 2013 Fantasy Baseball season. I also want to thank Jeff Erickson, Senior Editor at Rotowire.com and co-host of the Rotowire Fantasy Sports Today program on Sirius XM. Jeff really knows his stuff and he's a great guy to talk to. I also want to thank our commentators from BaseballHQ.com, the best fantasy baseball website in the business. Our minor league analyst was Rob Gordon, and our Master Notes commentator this week, Ron Chandler. Be sure to check out BaseballHQ.com now and in the coming days for these features. Dr. HQ Rick Wilton looks at another crop of injured pitchers. Dan Becker's Batting Buyer's Guide looks at platoon leaders. Doug Dennis' Bullpen Buyer's Guide looks at who's getting lucky at the break. And Stephen Nickrand's Pitching Buyer's Guide looks at what drives second-half ERA reductions. Plus, we'll have all our regular features on playing time, buyer's guides, division outlooks, pitcher matchups, our minor league coverage, and more. I'm Patrick Davitt. I hope to see you on the BaseballHQ.com subscriber forums. Also, remember you can check out Baseball HQ on Facebook and on our Twitter feed at BaseballHQ. Please feel free also to join the almost 150 people in the army of astute and debonair followers of my own personal Twitter account, at Patrick Davitt. And please tell your friends about Baseball HQ Radio. Take a second to go to iTunes and add to our 4.8 star rating. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again Friday with Todd Zola on another edition of the podcast with Fantasy Baseball Intelligence for Winners. It is Baseball HQ Radio. So long. Baseball HQ Radio is a weekly free podcast available through iTunes and other podcast aggregators. 
or directly from BaseballHQ.com, where we have an archive of past shows as well. Just look for the HQ Radio microphone logo on the right side of the BaseballHQ.com homepage. Baseball HQ Radio is a production of the USA Today Sports Media Group. The opinions expressed on Baseball HQ Radio are those of the individual speaking and not necessarily those of the USA Today Sports Media Group. The program is produced and edited by Patrick Davitt.